0: our morning service is on. Um, so so next Sunday we have morning service at 9.30am and then our usual 4pm service. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with our morning service, we're, we're doing it once a month at the moment and it's a service that's based around spiritual practice rather than a sermon. So um, there's no sermon. We sing and we practice uh, one of our historic ancient spiritual practices together and then we Break bread. So next Sunday, we're actually going to be practicing centering prayer, um, which is one of the beautiful prayer traditions of Christianity, and uh, it's very—it's a—it's a very beautiful practice. And it's—you and, know—it's not quite mindfulness, but in our culture, there's all this mindfulness like explosion. It's so in right now, like it's something new. But really, that sense of of, of quietening yourself, of paying attention to what's going on within you and, and putting your thoughts, you know, upon, well, for us, upon God. It's not new. It's very ancient. <laughs> and so to recover some of these practices for us is a really good thing. So we're going to be doing that and looking at that and um, seeing how we go. So that's next Sunday morning. And then a Sunday afternoon we'll have our 4 p.m. service as normal. So that's the big one announcement. 9.30, yes. 9.30, um, I think that's... I had thought there was another announcement, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, we'll take up the offering. Thanks, Sarah. That an that's not an announcement. <laughs> we will take up the offering. Thank you for anyone, or ev- anyone everyone who gives. It's, uh, it's wonderful to give into church and... The ministry of what we do here and the mission. We've got so we've got people over in Turkey at the moment. I feel like Chris and Becca and Jade and that are over in Turkey and this week has been their peace camp and it's gone really well. I think if you've been following things on Facebook, so that's really wonderful. We'll probably get an update from them when they come back, which will be great. Hearing about all that went on. Anything else, Luke? Don't think so. Yes, and Alan Cheryl and Jill are in Cambodia. Alan Cheryl's, yeah, they're back. So they're, no, no, sorry, they were. Alan Cheryl were back. Now they're back, not here, back in Cambodia. So in your prayers, guys, through the week, be praying for you know Alan Cheryl and Jill and the others in Cambodia as they're um, ministering over there. And the guys, um, I'm not quite sure when they come back. Does anyone know from Turkey? Well, Chris and Becker are back in September, but I don't know. No, we're all vague, aren't we? But keep praying for them because I think they've got the camp. They'll be debrief, and there's lots, lots of stuff going on. So, in your prayers, keep praying for them. Wonderful. Well, Billy, welcome. This is Billy. Does anyone want to ask him a question? How's New Zealand? Oh yes. Sorry,
1: two, questions.
0: two. Yeah. How is New Zealand?
1: Uh, New Zealand is uh, a, a lovely place, and I think we did Jan speak here a yeah. few ago. So I went. I met with the leadership team, and uh, that was really cool. Uh, and then we were to walk around. Uh, so I went. to gonna this. So yeah. I went to New Zealand because uh, we, we at the, our Pioneer Leaders Conference in March in the UK, the guy that was preaching. Um, Halfway through, his talk turned to me and says, Billy, I see God is going to do this. And the part of that is I see God's going to open some doors in New Zealand for Pioneer. So I thought I'd better go. So that's why this time, (laughs) this time when when, um, I came over, uh, and I come over every year, um, I felt the expression that I had was I needed to go and put my feet on the soil and just see what the Lord would do. So we went to Christchurch and climbed up the gondola up to the mountain. There, beautiful, and I saw some soil. So I got my socks and shoes off, and I just stood on the soil, and we prayed. And uh, there's a picture of me on Instagram with the sun shining. So that was me just making a prophetic declaration that um, God has spoken, and I just want to be obedient and see what see what happens. And so it was great to meet the little church there. Uh, they have a very cool church. They they don't have lots of content. They have out and about church, which is basically, let's all turn up at the park on Sunday at 10.30 or 9.30. And they do it for three three Sundays. And then the fourth Sunday, do, they do like a messy church. And then they have a meal in uh, midweek, like a connect group. And uh, they're looking at how they can just add to that. So they're attracting about nine families um, already, which is really, really good. And most of them are unchurched or de-churched and um, just finding a way back to faith again. So, so yeah, it was, it was very cool. So um, I think it'd be good for you, you, you guys to keep praying for them and supporting them. It's only a couple of hours away, so don't want to play, go over. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very freezing cold. Man, it's like, it's cold in England, but we have central heating, you know, we have like radiators everywhere. Uh, but they have none of that. So I woke up in the morning and my head was like, like blue, you know. And was, I was under the covers. Like, I can't get out of bed. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it, they aren't equipped for for the cold. It's very nice, though. <laughs> Christchurch. Next question. Oh, uh, I was just going to ask which favourite location in obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this one, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, have you met the Queen? I have. Yeah. Oh. She's actually very small. <laughs> she is, yeah. yeah so. I, I, I got invited her to her 90th birthday party. 90th birthday service at St Paul's Cathedral. So it was very cool. Yeah. So it was very cool. Because one of the roles I do, I'm a president of churches together in England, which is a bit of a strange thing. And so I represent the new churches. And then the Anglicans are there, and the Catholics are there, and the Orthodox Church is there, and the free churches are there, and, uh, and, and us. So it's really good that we have been recognized, that we are a thing. Uh, and so I get to go to state occasions, occasionally. So yeah, it's very cool. But I'm finishing that role in November, so that will be, that'll be the end of my hobnobbing with the royals. <laughs>
0: Did you get invited to the wedding? No, oh. um,
1: because, because I would have done, I would have done, if it had been at St. Paul's Cathedral at Westminster Abbey. Oh. But because it was at St. George's in Windsor, it was a smaller group and it wasn't as churchy. So oh. not many of the hierarchy. So you notice there was hardly any politicians invited. They wanted to play all that down, so they broke protocol and just invited their friends. So it was an interesting th- dynamic, and they broke a lot of protocol. So. You probably won't see a wedding like that again, I would say, with a black gospel choir, a black Pentecostal preacher, you know, man. <laughs> it was great. So yeah, there you go. So it, I, I don't know how often I've been here. Maybe it's, it's my third or fourth time? Yeah. I think I tend to come most years that I, that I come. So um, again... The way that i tend to operate is that if god opens the door and and we feel a connection of heart we just pursue it and just see what god does you know um, i'm not into being on a conference circuit and just going to speak at big things but you know we're family and so um as a father as part of this movement and part of this network uh i i just follow the leading of the lord and come over and want to affirm and support what god is doing and i think when i first came to australia i I asked the Lord, is this something we should be involved in? Because it's, it's a long way to come, as you, as you know. Um, and what I noticed over here was I met so many people who had just been burnt out by a church. Who had been in the system and just needed a place to find authenticity. And I, I, I saw that in pockets. And I felt, that's what we can help. So that's why I keep coming back to help support, affirm, a sense of creating authentic Christian community that is a life-giving to those who've been a bit burnt and is able to embrace and include those who wouldn't necessarily find their way into a church otherwise. So, so that's why we keep coming. Um, and I think we felt a real resonance with the people. And that's what it's about. So that's, that's why we're here. It's good to be here with you. And this is my favorite church in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I know you're doing some of these ancient things. Um, f- f- for me, my, my journey has been, I, I, I came to the Lord when I was, when I was about 19. I, I had been brought up in sort of church, Baptist sort of churches, but didn't really make a, a, a commitment. Met the Lord at 19, got filled with the Holy Spirit, totally charismaticized, you know, um, really pursuing God. And we were through a bit of a crisis of faith maybe 15, 20 years ago. And uh, I think because of the thing that we were in, it was very dynamic. It was like this, we're, we're going to change the world. And, you know, we are, we are the generation who are going to usher in the return of Christ and massive revival and all that sort of stuff. And I, I hit a bit of a, of a brick wall. And um, what, what, I, what God did very graciously was he drew me back to the ancient because what I had come to believe was that the church began in 1975. Mm-hmm. And everything before that wasn't real church. Because we were the people. And um, I was brought up in Ireland. and um, Because I, I was brought up as a Protestant in Ireland. And I think there was Catholic, uh, Celtic. It was Catholic. So I, kn- I didn't know anything about, about the Celts and what they did. And I had three prophetic words in a week from three different people, and the words were these. It's not, it, it wasn't like general. It was like you need to go back to Ireland and rediscover an ancient anointing, like three times, seriously, that specific. So I thought maybe the Lord's trying to say something to me. So I jumped on a plane and just went. I hadn't booked any accommodation, just went. And one of the Celtic symbols for the Holy Spirit is the wild goose so i just said wild goose lead me and so day day by day day by day i just got in a car and i just drove and just ended up on the west coast of Scotland, ireland in galway and then in a place called clonmacnoise which is right in the heart of ireland and clonmacnoise was an old monastic settlement established by a young monk called kieran um, and he he had he, he was sent across on a prophetic word from his mentor in Galway to go and establish this monastery, this community right in the heart of Ireland. And he he went, within seven months he died. But his 12 disciples carried on this thing for 300 years, this monastic community just flourished and prospered, got burnt down, ransacked by, by the English, by Irish tribes, by the Vikings, loads and loads of times. But kept going. And over the course of 300 years, they they sent out 3,000 missionaries all over the world. Incredible, including Brendan. Uh, And he's famous because he sailed in a coracle, a little little leather, you know, a little, little boat. And they reckon he was the guy who discovered North America. Because they found Celtic crosses in North America from like years and years and years ago. Anyway, um, I'm sitting on, in this old ruined Celtic monastic site and God spoke to me very clearly and says, I'm taking you back to the future. And it was almost like there's something about this rediscovery of some of these ancient practices to actually recognize is that we need to recognize that the church did not begin in 1975. In the year 613, there were people like you and me trying to work this thing out. And for centuries, people have been trying to work it out. And they've developed some good practices that can help us. And so we draw from the past and continue to innovate. Um, I occasionally go along to Winchester Cathedral in uh, Hampshire, which is an ancient cathedral. It was uh, built in about 680. And uh, the seat that I normally sit in was actually made in 1185. And so it's been for a long time. Uh, And... um, uh, I, I go to Evensong. And Evensong Even is a, is a Sunday afternoon service that, about four o'clock. Ta-da. Um, and they um, it's it's beautiful if you like sixteenth century choral music because they have the choirs who you know come and sing, and it's it's it's, it's a very simple service. It's about an hour long, um, but most people in the room are like I mean I'm I'm like the youth group. You know, because they're all really old. Because not many people are particularly into 16th century Choral Music today. Uh, and so I, I, I googled, you know, where it came from. And it was established in the 1600s, funny enough, by the Archbishop, as a way to reach ordinary people. Because back in those days, it was in. It was in English rather than Latin. So they, they innovated, but then they stayed there. <laughs> and so I think for me it's about we continue to draw from the past and innovate, and so that we are relevant to our day, but we're not arrogant enough to think that we can't draw from the past as well. So people have learned some stuff over the years that we need to embrace and, and um, go with. Okay, so it's a bit my 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 ju- my journey, and so. Um, i married to Caroline, those that I don't know. She was here last, last time, so uh, she's not here this, this year. Um, we have three children, two married, one single, one grandchild. Ta-da. Two on the way. <laughs> Being a grandparent is the best. It's, it's great. It's great. It's really good. So um, that's who we are. I'm going to read some verses from the Bible, and then I'll share a few thoughts, and then I'm going to break bread. Is that good? So 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a story of a, uh, of a woman. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered, revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars. And as each one is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So this is a story and a word for you as a church. Here we have this woman whose husband has died. He was part of the School of Prophets. And so she would obviously had known better days. You know, there were days when the School of Prophets would have been in town, and it would have been an amazing event and gathering and lots of people attending. And here she was now without that, and only a little olive oil. She didn't have a lot. Um, And I think the temptation for us, you, is that it's easy to look back at at the good old days, at a season that was before, and compare with where we are today. I certainly can do that. And we can feel that we don't have an awful lot to offer. Um, We have a little bit of olive oil. And when we look around We see people with like vats of the stuff. And we go on Facebook and we're tempted to fall into despair because we compare ourselves with what other people are doing and how amazing they are and how big their churches are and what an amazing impact everyone's making. We can be tempted to feel we've only got a little bit of olive oil like this woman had. But this miracle happened, where the vessels were brought into the house, and the oil multiplied. And so the encouragement to me is this. We may feel like we have a little olive oil, but there's still oil in the house. Now, lots of people I know, you may know them too, have, have given up on church. You know, they were with me, with you, in the youth group, in the vibrant group that was taking place and going for God. And over the years, people have seemed to drift away and not almost like lose their faith. They still like Jesus-ish, but almost can't find a place in church. But there's still oil in the the house. And I, I know it's possible for us to receive from the Lord individually and receive the oil. But there is something unique about receiving the oil together. Otherwise, there would be no point in church. So the oil is in the house, and there's an aspect of the presence of Jesus that we can only find when we are together, when we find him in one another there's something very powerful and beautiful about being in the house together. So I love the church in all of its shapes and sizes and expressions. And, and when we are together, there's an impartation of the presence of Jesus that we cannot find on our own. And so I encourage All of my friends who have given up to find a place where they can be in the house. And when we're in the house as empty vessels, guess what? We get filled up. But the third thing is this, is that the oil was then taken out. It didn't stay in. And um, I think for us, as we come together feeling like we feel... Allowing the Spirit to fill us up. It's not, you know, people used to sort of say, well, it, you, you don't need to go to church to be topped up. Well, I sort of agree with that. But I also think that we do need to get topped up by, by being together. I can get topped up by putting on a CD in my bedroom and singing along, reading my Bible. But I also get topped up by being together with God's people. That does top me up. That, that does fill me up as I experience Christ in you. But it's not to stay here, it's to be taken out. And they found themselves gaining capital in the marketplace, in the community, because of the oil that they were carrying. And so I think there's, there's, there's capital and influence in our communities because the, there's, an, there's, a, there's a product, there's a, an oil that we carry into our communities. Three things. The oil is the oil of anointing or authority. And so in, um, in Psalm 33, when people are together in the house, loving one another, there's an anointing that comes. Uh, the anointing of the the precious oil that we read on, on Aaron's beard pouring down on the column of his robes. It doesn't sound very pleasant to me. You know, I I, I understand what that picture is now, because in our tradition, in our church, if, if I said, right, we're going to anoint people with oil now, you come forward, and um, I take my little bottle of oil, and I, I'll dab it on your forehead, and might even make the mark of the cross, possibly, and then I'll give you a tissue to wipe it off. <laughs> I was in Africa last month, and they were praying for someone, uh, or they were being ordained, so this, this guy gets up in this beautiful immaculate suit and shirt and tie and kneels on the, on the platform. And then, then people start to put towels all over him, right, covering his suit. And I'm thinking, what, what's, what's happening here? And then they got this, this, this jug of oil and began to pray and just poured the whole jug over his head. So now I understand Psalm 133. That's how they anointed. Not like a little dab, but like the whole bowl, like the whole canister. Incredible. So there's an anointing, which is a divine enabling. You know, the grace or the anointing that comes is the ability to do what I can't do in my own strength. And so the oil that we carry is to enable us to be witnesses, to be effective in our proclamation of the gospel there's an an anointing and an authority to do that but it's not just about preaching leading people to Christ, that's important but the first person ever to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit anointed was a guy called Bezalel in Exodus chapter 31 and Bezalel was anointed by God with wisdom understanding knowledge and all kinds of skills to make artistic designs and work in gold silver and bronze and cut and set stones work in wood engage in all kinds of crafts he was a an artisan he 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 was a carpenter he was a jeweler he was an artist anointed and so there's, there's an anointing that comes not just to proclaim the good news of Jesus to people and see them come to know Jesus, but actually there's an anointing upon us to do the things that God's called us to do, whether you're an artist, a business person, or an engineer. An anointing to do those things. An authority to do those things. And if I look around our world today, more than ever, we need Holy Spirit-inspired ideas. We need creative solutions to the challenges facing our cities. We need breakthrough in medical science. We need new bits of art to be created that speak into the soul of our communities. We need environmental problems solved. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to enable us to find those things. I I love a pint of Guinness. It turns into Guinness as I drink this, you know. It that. Arthur Guinness was a Christian, followed Jesus, and he, he was perturbed by the alcoholism problem in Ireland. Uh, and the problem back then was everyone was drinking gin. It was like an easy way to get drunk. So he he prayed. And he asked God to help him create a drink. that Men would drink because they were the worst. They would actually be healthy and would begin to address the alcoholism problem in Ireland. He went a Guinness. And within 50 years, the alcoholism rate in Ireland dropped by 80%. I mean, an amazing story. God inspired him to do it. And there are are story after story of these sort of things. The Quakers, you know, they they were unable, because they were non-conformists. In England back in those days, they were not allowed to go to university. You could only go to university in the 1600s if you were an Anglican and a man. So it ruled out a lot of people. And these non-conformists couldn't go to become doctors, lawyers, whatever else. they decided to go into business. So most of the banking system in Britain was established by Quakers, Lloyds, Barclays, housing societies, building societies, um, Clark's Shoes, chocolate manufacturers, Cadbury's, Roundtree's, fries all Quakers, anointed by God to make a difference in their society at the time. So there's oil that we have to take out, anointing and authority to do what we're called to do. The second purpose for the oil is oil of healing. And so in James chapter 4, if anyone's sick among you, let them call the elders and pray, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So I think there is individual healing that we need to offer to people as we come filled with the oil into our communities. I think corporately as well. I think in, in your situation, we are ministers of reconciliation with other people groups. It has to be what we are about as God's people. Bring in reconciliation, mediation, pouring oil on troubled waters. I thought that was a Bible verse. It's not. It's, it's not a Bible verse. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in my concordance you know water on troubled, uh, oil and troubled waters doesn't exist the closest I got was in Ezekiel chapter 32 then I will, I will let her waters settle and make her streams flow like oil hmm, it doesn't quite do the same but the expression oil and troubled waters is about bringing peace and we are called to be carriers of peace in our communities, oil to take out, oil of healing. And so I, I, I particularly, you know, I, I've been praying for people who are involved in the fam- family mediation, in, in workplace mediation, because that's part of what we're called to be, to be mediators and reconcilers. It's not like a, something a few folk do. It's, it's the core of the gospel that we have embraced. Oil of healing. And the third purpose of oil, there's probably more, oil of gladness. Stand up, Kara. Choose joy. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Isaiah 61. Those who mourn in Zion... Give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. We're called to carry the oil of gladness into our communities. To me, that's hope. You don't have to be in despair. That we should be able to stand in our communities and say, it doesn't always need to be like this there is a better future for all of us. You know, Jesus hanging on the cross, it looked like the end of the world. It looked like things couldn't get worse. Three days later, it was resurrection day. That's hope. And I believe we carry the oil of gladness to bring hope to people and say, it may feel bleak today, But because we are resurrection people, we want to declare to you that this is not the end of the story. That there is hope. Hope is the joyful anticipation of a better future. And we can stand confidently and proclaim that to people. The oil of gladness. Choose joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that, that's, that I bring that word to you as a community. Don't look at your little oil pot because there's, there's, there's enough. There's ample. The more vessels, the more oil. Bring people in, fill them up, send them out. That's, that's how it works. I'm coming to an end now, by the way, so if uh, who's going to get the kids? Give me, give me, like three minutes, okay? Um, when we're in the house, there's something that is imparted that we don't get on our own, and therefore have a confidence in our, our togetherness. We experience something of the presence of Christ through one another that we can never experience on our own. Otherwise, why why bother? And the oil that we have is not just for us in the house to make us feel good about ourselves, but it's to enable us to be who we're called to be in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families that anointing, that enabling, the divine enabling to be who we're meant to be and fulfill our destinies and our callings in the workplace, in our communities, and seeing people come to Christ. That that, that of healing, we can lay hands upon those who are sick and see them recover and bring reconciliation and healing to our communities. And be able to stand and proclaim hope to those who desperately need it. So I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us. Top us up. A little bit of oil goes a long way. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here with us. And miracle-working God, who was able to take some small olive oil and fill up lots of vessels, come today And fill each of us with your oil, with your anointing, with your healing, with joy. That as we go from this place, we would know you leading, guiding, directing, empowering us to be who you've called us to be, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, we receive afresh from you. Fill us again with your presence, with your love, I pray. Wash away all of the debris that so easily contaminates our lives. And as we come to receive, eat and drink together here at this communion table, come, Lord, and be life to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.